Hi there, welcome to a Forever Classic Games special. I'm Zack Snyder, and with me today is Alex McCumbers. We're going to continue our foray into director Zack Snyder's filmography with the next movie in the roundup, which is 300. Mm, probably his most iconic film outside of like his inclusion in the DC universe. Yeah, this is, this is one of the films that definitely made me feel like Zack Snyder was a director and a director that I would actually pay attention to. Mm-hmm. I remember it was like a big deal whenever they're like, ooh, Zack Snyder is doing 300. And then it just kind of like the two names became synonymous with each other to the point that a lot of people, when they hear 300, they think of Zack Snyder first rather than Frank Miller, who's the comic author. Yeah, I I really didn't even realize that was something for a while. Yep. Apparently it's an older comic, too. This this is a 98 comic uh, from Frank Miller and Lynn Varley. Now, is this something that you've like seen a lot of because i watched this movie several times since it's come out so for me i watched 300 an insane amount of times just because my friends always had it on at their house mm -hmm. so when i would spend time with my mom growing up uh the neighbors across the street that i played with because they were kids around my age uh they always had something playing i think their parents watched little house on the prairie or wrestling and that was like the two things mm. But they always had other movies on in their room, just no matter what we were doing. There was a movie on, and it was typically, they had like a selection that they loved to cycle through, and 300 was one of them. So I've watched it so many times. Yeah. It was like the DVD rental of that era. When did this come out? 2000-something. 2007. Yeah, I remember that. And like, by the time me and you got into college, like, it was a film that kind of put Spartan culture on the map for a lot of people. Like... I would argue that um, the Assassin's Creed that takes place in Greece and has some Spartan imagery, we wouldn't have that if not for the popularity of 300. Absolutely. And funnily enough, I think that Assassin's Creed game has the Spartan kick that you can, like, unlock. <laughs> this is Sparta! Yep. That is the iconic quintessential thing coming out of that movie. And a meme was born. Yeah, and it's used insanely. So, with us continuing the Zack Snyder cut... What did you think about 300 before watching it, if you remember? Because it's been a while now. Mm, I mean, I remember when it was first like shown in commercials. I was like, wow, this looks kind of like a really big epic deal, right? Like it's an action film first and foremost. And so even in the like marketing and stuff, you would get these really cool shots of like the guys getting pushed over the edge off the cliff, the kick obviously into the pit. Um, there's a couple other shots that are just really iconic and capture the like the the energy and the framing of the comics, which obviously most people that we know kind of came to that way later. I don't think I know a single person who was like, oh, yeah, I read that comic way before seeing the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I I don't know of anybody who read the comic. But I was familiar with Frank Miller because of Sin City. Because at the time, movies like Daredevil and Underworld were things that we would rent. And so we rented Sin City one night, and I think another night we rented one of his other movies. I don't know if it was a Frank Miller, or maybe it was the director, but it was a... The Spirit was one? The Spirit. <laughs> Do you remember this one? It's like a dude in a tie. It's a 2008 movie, so I guess it came out after that. Uh, Who made this one? I Mm, that's a good question. It, this was directed by Frank Miller. Slightly different, The Spirit was. And he also helped write it, and I think it was an older comic? I don't know. The Spirit's a whole different thing, but, like, there was something about Frank Miller that was just really pervasive in film culture there for a while. And this is definitely, like, one of the big ones. Oh, I remember seeing stuff about this. I don't think I ever watched it. 
I don't think the spirit was good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember it being good, but it was stylish. And that was kind of the Frank Miller appeal there for a while, I think. You know what? I think it was one of those movies because it came out after Sin City, the first one. Mm. And it had that same look and feel to it to me. Like I had lots of that like dark contrasting shots that you would see in 300, Mm -hmm. which are where they had lots of their promo material. So if anybody's seen a commercial for a a 300, like you've you've seen what we're talking about. And for context, Sin City came out in 2005. So it was definitely like the thing that led up to 300. And I'm sure when they were pitching 300, they're like, oh, but Sin City made X amount of dollars. And that's the Frank Miller thing, too. We're going to do 300. Yeah, because then uh, Spirit coming out. Spirit felt a lot like Sin City, and I feel mm-hmm. like that, that vein, because it was, what, Sin City 300 Spirit? Yep. Yeah, as far as release. Yep. Yeah, so they all feel really familiar in the way that the movie looks. Because, I mean, 300's about Spartans. It's not noir, crime, crazy stuff. No. Um, so <laughs> they're not the same things, but they look very aesthetically the same. It's the use of color, I think. Like, Sin City's very much a black and white film, except for little bits of color. Like, Blood, I think, famously is bright red, and you see certain characters wearing, like, yellow or whatever. And so, like, the I'm looking at a trailer now, and one of the characters is completely red. Like, it's black and white, but she has a red dress and, like, red lipstick. And so there was something going on with Frank Miller really pushing the boundaries with how films looked for the time, like, visually. And it really captures a lot of the, like, comic essence. So I think it's it worked out for them, especially pushing the role of Mr. Snyder here, right? Right. If I'm if I'm thinking about it, I might be putting these things like in a big old jumbled mess in my head, but I feel like it is comparative to the way it caused, uh, like you were explaining, color in the film and like changing how films look via color and all of his aesthetic choices to almost be equated to like when Borderlands came out and did heavy cell shading mm-hmm. and it hit like such mainstream that that started to be used in so many other places that popped up. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that sort of, I not want to say fad, because it's still around. Like, it didn't just pop up and die off, but had that kind of impact when it hit. Yeah, it definitely, like, there's there's a couple films that I think sort of emulate what uh, 300 did, right? 10,000 BC is probably the most notable one I can think of, where you look at 10,000 BC as a movie, and you're like, wow, this is just 300 in you know, ancient times with mammoths and shit, right? Like, yes, yeah, actually, that's a really good way to put it. But I don't know if there's any crossover as far as the production's concerned with those two movies. But like, I think the Conan, the Barbarian movie, like a revamp of those came out shortly after 300. That one also has similar tone. (laughs) So it definitely like it was a movie that made waves for a lot of reasons. And the way that it looks, I think, is a big part of that. Yeah, and he he continues to evolve this awesome set of look just going through and it his is Frank Miller's movies are great and then paired with Zack Snyder's not quite Michael Bay-esque stuff that he gets into mm-hmm. becomes really cool cuz like you can almost see his cinematography pop out as iconic as someone like Michael Bay. Michael Bay, you're known for explosions. Yeah. Zack Snyder, you're known for interesting slow-mos and strange colors and big character like portraits almost like scenes that are definitely emulating like another art piece yes very very uh like i want to say artistic that's not enough of a descriptor 
it's bold. Yeah, really, really bold. It's like a bold comic direction is what it is. And I think the 300 and, is probably the, one of the strongest Snyder films. I mean, I forget which order we're doing this in because a little bit behind the curtain. Uh, we're re-recording this episode <laughs> and we're doing it way later because um, we lost one of the pieces to uh, to the podcast originally. And so Guardians of Gahul, I think I've mentioned, is my favorite Snyder movie, period. But 300, I would say, is like definitely the most Snyder feeling movie. Yeah, because we're we're on the second one, actually. This is number two. This is two? This is two. Oh, wow. First was Dawn of the Dead, and now we're on 300, followed by like seven more. <laughs> <laughs> we're not even up into the Man of Steel yet. No, man. It's it's definitely an interesting thing, too, because now that we're doing this series a little later, um, we originally wanted to make this a about the Snyder Cut Justice League, but now we're going to kind of make it about the Rebel Moon. Like, basically, uh, Zack Snyder wanted to make a Star Wars, and Star Wars is like, nah, I don't know about that. And he's like, fine, I'll do it myself. (laughs) And he made his own original sci-fi world. So yeah, for me, before watching the film, I saw all the ads for it and was really excited. Yeah. It was one of the things that I definitely wanted to watch. For sure. Um, mm-hmm. And growing up, me and dad watched a lot of movies because, I mean, we lived in the woods and didn't have a lot going on. Mm-hmm. And for me and him, like, when he wasn't working so much, we could sit down and just eat dinner and watch something on TV because he was, they were, my family's really big about having TV for some reason. Yeah, our, ours was in pieces. But I would say this is definitely a movie that, like, when it was first being advertised, I looked forward to it big time, and I really enjoyed it the first time I saw it. Yeah, I remember being really hyped in school about Mm -hmm. this. So what do you think are some of the highs and the lows of the film? I mean, obviously the action is definitely the reason you come to 300, right? Like, it's really not subtle about what this movie is. It is a big machismo movie about Spartan soldiers who take their last stand against an overwhelmingly powerful army. And they survive for longer than you might think. And it's based on an actual battle. I forget the name of the battle. Uh, it's like Thermopylae or something. And so, like, that's the really exciting bit is you you know the entire time that even though these guys are, like, extremely fit and well-organized and just incredible military tactics, but at the end of the day, you know they're all going to die. And you know that they're the underdogs of the story because there's far fewer of them than there is the Persian army. And so seeing that like overwhelming odds and the triumph of the human spirit, right? Like that's what this movie is really best at. Yeah. The have like if you were able to pick up on the subtle cues and you didn't know anything about uh Sparta from your like history classes or world history classes, mm-hmm. you could you could pick up pretty easily that this was going to be a action tragedy. Mm-hmm. But it ends on a high note. So yeah, it's hopeful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It 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 weaves hope in there, and it has lots of really good times where they have the little skirmishes through, where the Spartans are outwitting and outmatching this greater army that's just kind of toying with them rather than just like overwhelming mm-hmm. them. They're they're definitely messing with them in a lot of ways. Like one of my favorite scenes is uh, this goes into some of the world building, I guess, but. The the narrator talks about how the the Persians sent their their wizards and they were flinging magic at them. And it was just like dudes in masks throwing gunpowder bombs. (laughs) But at the time, it felt like wizardry, right? (laughs) And so it's cool to see, like, there are definitely fantasy elements in this movie, like some of the grotesque bestial people that are the, the brutes of the Persian army. Like, that's definitely fantasy. But. It's still interesting to see like how they sort of ground things. I don't know. It, it's a cool movie. 
Yeah, and they did a lot of really good CGI with the background, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I guess, where I would venture my the movie was very artistic generalizations statement too is it looked really pretty mm-hmm. all the backgrounds all the stage setup everything looked really really crisp and pretty they accomplish a lot by just really focusing on the actors and getting that as crisp as possible and then doing like pretty basic sets and then enhancing that with cg for like skyboxes and stuff yeah this was the the part where they memed everybody because they had lots of uh Highly detailed and highly sprayed on abs. Yep. Uh, these dudes are, every single one of them in the Spartan army, are all ex- exceptionally fit. And they're all oiled up. <laughs> and it's it's very macho. And I can imagine awaken some things in some people when this movie came out. I'm sure. <laughs> no, it's it's definitely like, this movie's probably spent a lot of its budget on just the physical regiment for these actors. Yeah, they had to get them as fit as they could. And of course these actors couldn't, you know, come down like they were Olympic fucking trained athletes, like chiseled to the fucking bone mm-hmm. in one shape. So, you know, they they uh, modified that with like getting them pumped, bulked, and then like making sure that they shaded and highlighted muscles very well mm-hmm. and then drew on some abs very good and created a really nice... Uh, like you said just super macho army that's part of the reason why you cheer for these guys too because if you think about the the persian army is very ugly and they're covered in piercings and jewels and all these different like swords thrust into their bones and stuff like they're they're pursuing godlyhood in like a grotesque fashion meanwhile the spartans are pursuing godlyhood and legacy through just honing in and focusing what they are they're soldiers they have their their red robes they have their giant shields and their spears and they're all like they have similar haircuts and you know that type of thing (laughs) and so they kind of embody like perfect man and the persians are just like perverse chasing of immortality yeah you know that's that's a good way to think about it they they were definitely uh portrayed as the perversion Mm -hmm. of things whether that's historically accurate i am sure is up for debate (laughs) Oh yeah, that is a lot of debate. Uh, Xerxes' voice was cool. He's he's a neat villain. Yeah, he he absolutely was a neat mm-hmm. villain. But yeah, so with the film as a whole, what do you think of it? What are your your big thoughts on it being a? I mean, I think it holds up fairly well. Uh, the only thing that is like unfortunate is they really punch down with a with a crippled character, and so that can be a little perverse. But also, it's like a very extreme version of a lot of these characters so it's definitely like an archetype they're playing with yeah and this is not an era where disabled characters are given lots of uh good press no they're they're definitely not given a whole lot of grace which is unfortunate but um that's kind of the era right like these films definitely like they punched and they punched hard often taking shots at at marginalized groups that really do not need that type of lens put on them um and so overall outside of that i think it's a pretty worthwhile movie but it's it's exactly what it says it's going to be this is not the film you go in for like intellectual enlightenment this is an action movie with a bunch of sweaty dudes stabbing each other with spears yeah now the fighting in the movie looked great Mm -hmm. like there were of course there's some cheesy stuff in there but when you get to some of the scenes where they have very good camera movement paired with their fly system and like cgi background Mm -hmm. you get these great effects of like almost being superhuman like shield slamming yep. uh, like a spartan shield slamming some of the uh, the persian army just like backing out of the way 
or like delivering a spear throw like through one and into another Mm -hmm. fantastic looking shots uh and i'm sure it was super fun to do the combat on those sets although i'm sure that some of it was a little dull and repetitive because you would end up with some times where you just had to do the thing again had to do the (laughs) do the thing again do the thing again do the thing again until it was perfect they definitely like the way this film the camera person so to speak the film layer camera guy right or individual they are definitely seeing these characters as a form of myth like they're capturing them in a way that makes them feel elevated and legendary and so that's why the like the cool Zack Snyder isms of like the slow-mo shots and the really well contrasted frames all of that heightens that yeah for sure because to add to that of course the end of the movie has the one character they have run back to tell everybody what's going on mm-hmm. um, is the one basically telling the story at the front of the next army, like united with a bunch of people. Yeah. So you can think of this as him like telling the like not engrossed, telling the like almost exaggerated story mm-hmm. and then making all of this make sense. But it's such a short note at the end that you might completely overlook that part. Right. One of my favorite things about this movie that I wanted to highlight before we move out of just kind of like the way it's it's a uh, action is oriented is I love how they capture phalanx, the like interlock shields and the spears and pushing people and little guys coming out with swords and coming back. Like all of that is really well done. Yeah, their their take on how phalanx looks was great. It's really cool. Because hey, hey, it's it's pretty pretty accurate i mean it's no legionnaire phalanx which is what most people will probably think of first because that's like interlocking tower shields Mm -hmm. like turtled formations and a lot of other like little nuances but the spartan one that they portray here is that like being able to phalanx in guard yourself basically the same way but with round shields and then using guerrilla attacks of people coming in and out and weaving into the battlefield and back into safety which is excellent so cool yeah and it's it happens really quickly too and you get to see all of the like panic shot of it which i think captures really well it's interesting to see all the different army types because the persians also try to throw their own myths at these warriors where they're like oh these are the immortals they can't be beat and then the spartans cut them in half they also have a moment like in lord of the rings you know when they uh they fight the like Urukai guy the like really big orc same thing happens in this movie it's just like one really big guy with like a flail or something <laughs> something about movies with big army scenes there's always one big ugly guy that you gotta take down yep there's gotta be one big secret weapon mm-hmm. every time but no on as far as action films are concerned this is a good one this is a really good one yeah it's a, it's a fun watch it's not terribly long either mm-hmm. this was shit i don't even know how long this was yeah find out 117 minutes yeah so you're looking at like less than two hours yeah that's short for this time too because this time was starting to dabble in longer movies had this movie come out today it'd be four hours long (laughs) oh my god this movie it'd be four hours long with a fucking tv series on the side Mm -hmm. or i mean maybe not i guess we're kind of past the movie and tv series like split stuff that was that's a whole nother topic i just finished loki season two there's some things going on (laughs) Oh boy, there are some things going on. <laughs> Maybe we should talk off pod about that. But uh yeah, it's it's a fairly tight film. Like it doesn't feel long. It's it's a complete cohesive story from front to finish. I I can agree. So I would recommend people check it out. Unless you're really not into action scenes or if you're just really not into like machismo specifically. Cuz some people aren't and I totally get it. Yeah, that's fair. 
I'd have to say, like, yeah, it's definitely big masculinity. Although, the Spartan wife does have some pretty cool scenes. She's really um, cool, too. <laughs> yeah, she's she's still not done well. Like, it's that's not a fun watch for some of it. But she's very cool uh, in the way that she strikes her power among men. Queen Gorgo, I think. Yeah, Queen Gorgo. Yeah. Played by Lena um, Headey. Headey? Headey? I don't know. Gerard Butler is Leonidas. He's uh he's great. And then Rodrigo Santoro was Xerxes. Like there's a there's a lot of really cool like actors and picks for this film. There really is. But yeah, no, I definitely suggest this film to anybody. It's mm-hmm. like we said, it's under two hour runtime. It's got all the pieces to keep you engaged, like beat to beat. The pacing is really actually quite well in this, because mm-hmm. uh, it keeps you engaged. You're waiting for the next thing to happen, and it's not really bogging you down with a lot because it's such a high, high intense action film. It's going along with a story, and I feel like it's using more of the story as the framework to do fun things inside of. Yeah. This is a great watch to sit down and just have a time, uh, and you would not be disappointed with it, I don't think. I don't think anybody should be. Uh, I mean, unless you're just highly critical, but you can't go wrong with it. No, good time. Good action film. Definitely a product of its time, but, you know, pretty cool product from that era. For sure. So with that, I think that wraps up most of our 300. Yeah, the only other thing I'll say is I kind of want to check out the comic at some point. And apparently the sequel film Rise of Empire is based off an unpublished graphic novel at least at the time, and I think that'd be fun too. That could be cool. I didn't realize that there was an unpublished one. Yeah, apparently Frank Miller had a story called Xerxes, and then that was like a follow-up to the original 300 story, and that it just never got to print or whatever. And so this new film, well, new, the 2014 film, is based on that story. So, I don't know. I always heard that Rise of an Empire kind of sucked, but it's probably worth the like two-hour investment, right? It's most films. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was also the age where sequels were not great. True. Yep. So anything that you we glean saying from the first one, the second one might be another story. There's a lot of those in the 2000s. <laughs> there really are. They tried so hard. People um, wanted that money. I mean, it was a smart move. They just did it bad. Yeah. I mean, they're still doing it kind of bad. Well, I mean, just a quick glance at Wikipedia, the 300 sequel made twice its money. How much did 300 make? A lot. Ooh. <laughs> Almost 400 million profit. Jesus. Yeah, profit. Damn. With a P, that's what they took home. Yeah, that's a... That's a I would love to know more about this film's production history. I think well, I've seen a lot of the like choreography stuff from the DVDs and things, but it'd be interesting to see people talking about it now. Yeah, and I mean the film also like just to air in TNT, I believe it is, uh, to get the rights to air it was like between seventeen and twenty million. Jeez. So yeah, to get that on TV was also very expensive. So like three hundred was a money-making machine. I have this on Blu-ray, and it's got a bunch of the special features. My last watch, actually, I threw it on the CRT just to see if it would be different, and it looks surprisingly good on a CRT, even though the screen's in widescreen. Really? <laughs> yeah, because of all the, like, contrasty colors. You can tell what's going on just fine. Huh. Oh, yeah, and I guess at the time, it was the third biggest R-rated film after Matrix Reloaded Passion of the Christ. Oh. <laughs> what a time for movies. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, but no, it's 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 an interesting time. So what's what's the next thing we got going on? So the next film we got going on, we're gonna continue with uh, Watchmen, mm, another comic based thing. Yeah, I've seen a theme here. Yeah, 
Actually, I think most of these are starting to be comic book based. Yeah, uh, I think pretty much all of them are, aren't they? I think Sucker Punch was as well. Gahul was a novel series, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. Gahul was novel. Dawn of the Dead. Did Dawn of the Dead have a graphic novel? Mm, I think eventually, but I don't I don't think outright. Yeah, I don't think at the time. <laughs> Maybe Sucker Punch is the one original movie. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, uh, they've been, it's been fun, uh, and we have a lot more fun coming up with all these other movies. Uh, I think you all will enjoy the opinion on. And like Alex said earlier, we are re-recording this, so... Some of this might sound a little disjointed from here, yeah. uh, but this is the only episode that we've run into that we've had an issue with, so hopefully none of the others we do. I think this is our first, like, we lost the a piece of it. Yeah, and when we started this show, I had, like, just moved to Minnesota, and we've changed a lot of things between now and then. Like, we should definitely do, like, a recap of, like, where we are, where we've come from, and where we're going. But uh, no, it's it's an interesting exercise to like go through a director's thing, and so we'll we'll do, go clear to Rebel Moon for this one. Yeah, because now we have some extra Zack Snyder movie stuff to cover. Yeah, um, since we started this series, the Snyder Cut of Justice League, Army of the Dead, and then Rebel Moon Part One is kind of what we're looking for, because it comes out in December of this year. There we go. Yeah. The Zack Snyder podcast, or the the Zack Snyder cut podcast. <laughs> yes, welcome and thanks, thanks for coming on the journey with us, everybody, and we hope you enjoyed. Have a good night.